ट्रेडिशनल एजेंसीज हैव एग्जिस्टेड फॉर अ लॉन्ग टाइम नाउ बट द एजेंसीज विच हैव मैनेज टू इवॉल्व द चेंज इन टेक्नोलॉजी एंड कंज्यूमर बिहेवियर आर स्टिल अप एंड रनिंग सक्सेसफुली एंड विद द एडवांसमेंट इन टेक्नोलॉजी पीपल्स वे ऑफ कंज्यूमिंग कॉन्टेंट हैज ऑल्सो इवॉल्व बट एज एन एजेंसी फाउंडर हाउ इज देयर लाइफ इवॉल्व हाउ हैव द मैनेज टू डू डिफरेंट थिंग्स बोथ ऑन द एजेंसी पार्ट एंड द पर्सनल फ्रंट एज वेल so i felt to discuss this with someone who has seen the changes in the way advertising has evolved digitally varun dugirala co-founder and content chief at the glitch varun along with rohit co-founded the company in 2009 and since then a lot of things have changed in the advertising world and he himself focuses a lot on adapting with the technical changes varun also hosts the very famous advertising is dead podcast which is a huge book about advertising in itself So let's see how as a founder of a very reputed agency Varun's life has evolved over the last decade or so. You're listening to Witty and Viral with me Pratik Satpute and we will be right back. Hi Varun, welcome to Witty and Viral. How's the lockdown going for you personally? I mean uh, it's it's been interesting. I mean I'm actually getting uh, there there's a, a strong part of me that actually enjoys this. Um I think if you have the privilege to live in a decent place and have enough uh, things you can set up at home then it's it's uh, there are many things you could learn to enjoy um not as much the household chores but i think the other stuff you end up enjoying a lot but uh, it's been interesting i mean it's, it's also been an interesting time to kind of reflect and kind of look at how what you do uh, professionally and even uh, in personally kind of can evolve right you never get that time uh, normally rightly said so So Varun first up you did engineering then post graduation in mass communication and then worked in PR but then eventually you transitioned into a creative producer at MTV so after all this what led you to start the glitch um so i have never really stuck to doing one thing for the longest i think glitch is my longest commitment in life it's been over 10 years now but i did engineering because i used to like to code at that point of time oh, um, but i couldn't get into computer i didn't like i didn't get into computer engineering i ended up doing mechanical so then my love for engineering went away very quickly i had to struggle to get out of it i pr happened prime and also pr was a focus at that point because i started doing a bunch of uh, odd side jobs when i was towards the final years just past time and make a little extra money so i was a promoter for jack daniel's whiskey i was a promoter for smirnoff at this thing called a party card i was doing that post my engineering because i had a couple of backlogs uh, which i had to pass um i worked in a call center for aol cancellations for about 3 to 4 months so i did that uh, for a while learned how to uh, negotiate people get them to keep their accounts when they call to cancel um and ended up in masscom almost by chance i mean uh, it was a entrance exam i gave because my mother had sent me the application form and i ended up getting through which i had never gotten through uh, any uh, of these things academically before um but i switched to production primarily uh, because when i started my course in symbiosis it was some i found the audiovisual production side a lot more interesting i i realized that because i was not technically a filmmaker kind of a fan uh, mm-hmm. but i enjoyed television i enjoyed that aspect of it now uh, the only place i ever wanted to work at was was mtv and that's where i ended up interning and working right after singb as well and um, and so while we were doing that i mean mtv and channel v in those days were almost the places you could go to learn how to create i mean you would have very less budgets but you could you could experiment and do a lot of things you would learn a lot on the job i would say my three odd years in Ch- my three years in channel v and and close to like what six months in mtv feel like almost like 5 to 10 years of education because of the amount of stuff that we could actually do um and so glitch kind of happened um because uh, we were me and rohit were both in channel v at that point of time um rohit went to channel v right after college so i joined him in after my brief stint at mtv 
and uh, channel we had decided that they're not going to play music anymore that they were going towards becoming a youth gc and for us we really wanted to be uh, we wanted to do uh, the fun stuff right that's so we were like where is the fun stuff happening if this is going to become a youth gc and so and everybody kind of said digital um, and this was the year after recession so everybody said first it's a stupid idea to start um a, a company right after a, a, a downturn uh, which is interestingly the kind of time which we are expecting right now it's right but now. i we've always personally believed it's one of the best times to start something uh, because the opportunities for someone new kind of coming in is a lot higher especially when you have a bit of a downturn um and so yeah we start we, we honestly didn't have a plan um he said i'm quitting i said i'm quitting we said okay kuch karte hain what's the worst that will happen uh we we thought we had enough money to survive 3 months i think we had enough money to survive a month Mm-hmm. and uh, we just got a couple of projects um, i would produce he would direct mm-hmm. uh, and we started from our apartment that's how glitch started to be honest i mean the, the it's it we didn't have a business plan if any we wants no we had no clue we just knew that one person could direct and the other person could produce um i could direct if need be although i was a terrible director um but uh, we figured it out like that interesting journey i have to say that somewhere i also feel that trying out different things is when you find out what you are good at or can do the thing for a long time so when you started the glitch did you find that as a risk or were you confident about making the startup as a success as we can see now to be honest we didn't even know we were starting a company uh, we were like okay let's get out and do this we had a ca who said no no you should register into a company so we registered it uh, we got a few projects um, i think the the getting your first project sometimes is very easy it's getting your second and your third that become really tough because when you start up you get one project you feel really happy uh, and then once that is done you get into uh, we i think we went through almost 3 weeks to a month where we had no work and we had really started to consider okay do we need to go find a job and then we start getting these really tiny projects right we got projects to do graphics for um, some event uh, which would play on the screens we would uh, edit promos at that point of time for uh, dvds disney was selling Mm-hmm. um i remember this princess and the frog and stuff like that we would edit uh, the promo dvds that would play on tv so you then uh we would then start pitching stuff that could be innately digital the idea was to sustain um and and this uh, and and kind of keep pushing digital ideas um mm-hmm. at some point we got we uh, prashant who's actually one of our creative directors in 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 bombay um uh, prashant wrote to us uh, while he was in college and said can i come and intern with you guys because he heard we were doing this he then realized that he was coming and going to have to work out of our apartment because that's what office was that point so he slept on our couch we did a project together and he went back and he was incidentally one of the first people we hired um and uh, so and, and that's how we became a company right so at mm-hmm. that point we didn't feel like a company till the first person got hired then third then there were a first set of three four people who got hired and and then a bunch of projects but we've honestly taken it a year at a time um i think only by the time we hit our third fourth year um or maybe like i would say towards the end of our second year we actually felt okay once again we are doing consistent work we're doing a lot of work this can be something we can grow mm-hmm. uh but we've always taken it a year at a time because uh, honestly the way the world works um you, you can't plan more than i mean even planning a year at a time uh, if you look at present world scenario as well uh, it doesn't work right you need to take mm-hmm. stock every 3 to 6 months and that's what we do absolutely especially in the current situation where so many unexpected changes are happening one just has to keep adjusting and plan accordingly and i believe same thing has happened in your journey as well so you transition from a production house for web to an agency that provides all sort of media solutions to the brands why did you feel to do so in the initial phase when you started so we've always believed that we 
able to uh, so if a client turns around saying i need um, i'm i'm looking for x y and z services our idea was saying okay can we do that mm-hmm. um, so we would go and pitch videos but we also would pitch videos which have interactivity right so tech became a part of what we would pitch um, we would pitch almost stuff that would become activations plus video plus tech um so suddenly one brand turned to us saying you're doing all the fun stuff can you also do the uh, you know can you also do the larger strategy um and uh, we honestly were, were at that point of time uh, maybe not knowing enough was a good thing because we said how hard can it be and we said ye bhi kar lenge um and and that's how it started off but again we it's all we were always been lucky because we've had the right team um, at the right time uh, we've had people who were for instance working with us on the video side who said one second i can maybe do this part i'm no i i have an aesthetic for creative or i understand design and so initially it was it was very uh, I, i would say it was it was like um, a lot more jugad when we started off mm-hmm. uh, but luckily we had a set of people who kind of took uh, the owners on the agency front right rohit always had a very strong creative bent to mind so he he took a, he took charge on creative um i from just being a producer moved a little bit wider into the operations side etc uh, we luckily by then had brought pooja on board Mm-hmm. And, and then pooja coming on also really helped because pooja came from a strong agency background right she worked on the brand side on this one um so till then we were this tiny creative shop uh, which was growing which was growing well uh, and we were doing a lot of fun stuff we were doing a lot of projects when we were we were across um uh, pooja kind of came in and that's when i think the circle got complete because uh, one of us looking after operations and making sure execution um uh, rohit was focusing on core creative and strategy and pooja kind of helped but it's the gap between strategy and 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 really building a business structure to it and i think that combinations what helped us scale and we, i mean if, if if i talk about our entire leadership team a large number of them have been with us for many years that right? we, we've always tried to bring in people um who would grow with us who would be given responsibility and honestly the idea is not to say give some responsibility and still tell them what to do mm-hmm. um they, they i would say that my job right now is a tiny part of of what happens at glitch uh, what i do um and that's the way it should be uh, it should not be about any company that is promoter led is a problem because then you really you focus on two three people right so right. um the company runs because of 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 everybody who's especially across your leadership interesting point you brought up here about the promoter led agency now after running the agency successfully what was yours and rohit's thought behind going through the acquisition with the group m um so there were a couple of things right so for us we were looking at uh, we were towards i think by our 7th year or 6 ish i think 7th year is a good time now we were thinking about uh, how can we scale this faster and 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 wider mm-hmm. um and we'd also been get, we've been getting the bunch of the networks that approaches bunch of instead approaches um to acquire us and we never wanted legacy from anyone Mm-hmm. Uh, we want strong partners to be, who can give us more services, who can who can give us more capabilities. Uh, we never we've never done media as a service, um, and media something always partnered with someone else on. Um, we 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 needed we wanted to bring that in. We want to bring strong data insights in, um, and and of all the networks we met, the reason why the whole WPP thing worked for us is because they were not treating us as someone who's connected to one agency. They're looking at us as someone who can work as um as a uh, as an agency brand who can kind of scale out a bunch of stuff across uh, clients right and mm-hmm. and so that's why we did so for us it's always been about the fact that you can you how, can you hit scale by yourself and how long will that take can you hit scale faster with with the right kind of partners because if you don't collaborate with the right set and at some point growth will stagnate right and we didn't mm-hmm. want that to happen and we also wanted to figure a way to make sure the agency was secure in its growth 
and this kind of secured it and um, it, we just wanted to time it right and i think the timing was perfect so in today's day and age what should be the decisive factors for founders to make the decision about if they need someone to acquire their agency or not um i think it depends on what your goals are right so our goal was scale and 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 growth um and that's what we went after uh for many founders uh, it's about the fact that okay once again i've run it for so long now it's time for me to hand it over to someone else they can do it well but can i do it in a secure manner so that i also get you know something for it but also the company is fine and that's another perspective so every I, I, every single founder i've spoken to has different perspectives okay. but largely i would say a lot of the successful ones uh, who kind of run the course of it um i have done it primarily because they want to make sure the company is secure and they can really grow right it opens up a lot of opportunities right? you know it opens you up to global projects opens you up to um having conversations on a, on a larger stage and i think that's really the opportunity you get so i mean that's the way to look at it if 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 a founder looks at it as only a monetary opportunity mm-hmm. um then you'll get a lot of options but i mean then that's pretty much the reason why you're doing it right it might not be good for the business the idea is to kind of balance both uh, all those factors that's so precisely put varun many agency founders will get a whole new perspectives to see the acquisition from a different lens now apart from the glitch you have also invested and mentored chatterbox the influencer marketing agency and since influencer marketing is a big marketing window for brands to gain customers what do you feel about measuring roi in this particular field and how brands have actually evolved and grown to accept this form of marketing i think influencer marketing when it started off uh, was treated as a very uh, it was used like any other media vehicle right like this is inventory you can kind of purchase and you can you can ask someone to put something on there um, but where it's really going is the fact that the balance between what is generally something the creator would put out themselves mm-hmm. um, and figure a way to get brands into it so it should feel natural i think that's become the way to do it um and the job of any influencer firm is to say okay how can we help bridge that gap on two fronts right one is the fact that we make sure the content looks seamlessly um it doesn't stick out like an ad but it actually has some sort of a content like to it the second part is how uh, how well is the assortment of influencers chosen and that's when the data really comes in because just choosing an influencer basis followers is is or reach is just not it it's about saying uh what kind of an audience does this influencer cater to uh, what kind of audience are you trying to target what are your you know what are your target points what are your kpis for the entire campaign so i think that planning of it is important um and right now obviously it, i i would say right now especially during the covid period um it's a very interesting time for the influencer market because that is one of the only ways in which there is outreach happening uh, it's also taught uh, a, a lot of brands and agencies how to be sensitive about it um but i think that the way ahead for this is this is here to stay i think the platforms are many the influencer set is many um and and the the right way for any agency or brand to work with them is to make sure it's a it's a collaboration and not necessarily just a pay for you know it's it pay for scenario because then it's just a cut copy paste and that doesn't help anyone 100% and i also have observed recently how brands are letting the creators have the freedom to you know sort of place the product in their own way and according to what they have been regularly putting out the content so run while you are running these successful businesses what led you to start the podcast advertising is dead back then uh, did you feel that you were naturally made for it i was very surprised when i was asked if i was game to do it it also happened by chance um, i went as a guest um there's a podcast called the filter coffee podcast mm-hmm. which karthik nagaraj mm-hmm. does so i was actually one of the guys he did a pilot with uh, he need because we all do pilots which, which never go up 
Um, and so he said, "Will you just come? I need to do a pilot." I said, "Okay." So I went there, and then I went as a guest for another podcast called uh, Simplified, mm-hmm. uh, which is another IBM show. So I was a guest on that. Um, and post that in a conversation we were having, there was a discussion about uh, them wanting to do a marketing podcast, and, and then I kind of jammed with them. Um, the name came up because I didn't want to do a traditional one because uh, I don't come from a traditional advertising background. So the idea was to say, how has the world of advertising and marketing changed, and how can we kind of showcase that uh, and that's how it started it's obviously it, it evolves um, as i think with every couple of episodes in, in the things you want to change with it uh, but it was never planned i mean i, I would never have thought that uh, i have a voice for podcasting but it seems to work for people so i'm just going to let it be that way <laughs> it has worked brilliantly but how easy or difficult it is to create a podcast have you ever experienced creative blog just like other content creators on instagram or youtube face Luckily, I mean, I've had times when I've, uh, so, so this is the way to do it, right? Um, because, because I do a conversational podcast, the amount of preparation and even the amount of post-production on it isn't as much. It's, it's about how you kind of get into the room that day and, and have the right kind of conversation. So obviously I do a bit of prep in terms of the, the kind of topics I want to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I've tried to over-prepare and write down all the questions, for, at least for me personally, it works for some, right? I, I know a bunch of really good podcast hosts who come with like about three, four pages of questions because they know clearly what they want to ask. Uh, my mind doesn't work in a structured fashion. So I go with like, okay, I'll, I'll scribble down 10 to 15 points I want to cover and figure a way to cover all of them by the end of the conversation. Um, and so I do that. But I think the the biggest hurdle or the other problem is that it's, it's stagnation right if, if you're working on something which is a single kind of format mm-hmm. at some point you get you 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 look to make it easier for yourself so you will choose guests who are easy to have conversations with you will kind of go in a certain flow you will ramble on um it's important to kind of have checks and balances in your life where you turn around and say one second okay I've, I've done 25 episodes what what do i need to change what what do i need to do better i've done 50 episodes so for me it's always been that right now i'm going to hit 75 very soon mm-hmm. I've started that process of, 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 of making a bunch of changes, um, at least like uh, I would say the last month and a half or uh, because uh, at no point should it seem like you're coasting. My biggest worry for me is that, I'm, is that okay, it, it's easy, it's going fine, I don't have to change anything. So it's always started to shake things up a little bit, but also not lose what makes it good. So I think that that's the most important part. But other than that, I mean, a podcast is pretty simple to create, right? And, and especially after doing it remotely now for over a month or there's so many tools that are available now I and mean, you can do it off a zoom call like we're doing there are uh, i've i found subscription based platforms like uh, it's called squadcast which is great because um it just helps on the in the echo and stuff like that there's so many different as uh, zencaster the number of uh, online applications available are, uh, are so many uh, is that what is interesting is that if you have the basic equipment at home uh, you could actually do it from anywhere now, mm-hmm. uh, I was initially worried that if I do it remotely, will it lose the, because, you know, traditionally I always wanted to do it in a studio, the guest and the host would have to be together. That's how I've done most of my episodes. But the the more and more I see it, the the ease of, of doing it from home or, or doing it remotely actually is, is as relaxed um, as you would have it uh, if the person comes in. You're actually taking away the worry of, okay, finding studio time and doing all of that stuff. Right. Uh, so it's simpler. And, uh, and you, but you need to keep evolving. I think the important part is to keep evolving it and also make sure that you give yourself some tough guests, right? You once in a while, you, you should get yourself a guest who you kind of think about uh, in terms of, okay, like I, I had, I had, a, I started getting a couple of international guests on 
um off late i've had one a couple of weeks where mm-hmm. one more which is going to which is going to come up um, and the idea also was when when i when i got connected to the like that okay can i have a broader conversation but still kind of keep it relevant for the audience right so mm-hmm. even thinking about those things basically how can you kind of build stuff around it as well i mean what can there be better social content around it can you do something on ground can you do a, can you do some sort of meetups or live sessions how would you do a podcast live so the, mm-hmm. the list is endless absolutely so how do you see the podcast industry in respect to india do you feel that brands should leverage this particular medium sooner than later i think the 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 problem on the brand side right and i don't blame brands at all because i i've had those conversations with them the the real problem faces because the metrics we look at the number of just the number of listens or the the the, the numbers in podcasts we compare it to video in any sense it's not even comparable right it's, it's i mean a good podcast would still have numbers in the thousands and not necessarily lakhs in a in a year or there will be some who will obviously have a lot more but uh, on an average a decent podcast or, or someone who's doing reasonably well will have still numbers in the thousands and, and what happens there is the fact that how do you turn to a brand and say this is actually going to get you um decent roi so then so that's been the tricky part i think it's an experimentation stage for many brands mm-hmm. uh, but it, and we also can't compare ourselves to let's say the american market because the american market is a very evolved talk radio market right? mm-hmm. so they had npr they have had talk radio we've not had talk radio in india so i think the way to look at it is that every single podcast is there are multiple opportunities to um, to monetize mm-hmm. uh, simplest ways you have a great show if you're able to sell it to a platform it's a syndicated show then you get you get money for it that's the simplest way for any podcast creator to kind of make money through advertising it gets a little or sponsorship gets trickier mm-hmm. primarily for the fact that um, then you're going out and really have to have multiple touch points to sell so and there I, there my honest opinion is just the audio won't work the fact that you need to have strong social assets around it how you promoting it across social platforms or do you maybe look at doing video clips in some cases do you look at putting entire episodes in video as well on youtube i'm right so um the idea is to find the right mix for each show mm-hmm. um and and really be able to sell an overall package to clients i don't think it works individually for a brand rather they will put money into but i don't think it will be large numbers and it might not make sense for the creator as well um but i think if if you need to go uh, fully brand sponsored um and not really as much platform sponsored then it, it needs to be an overall package more than it has to be let's say an individual sponsorship so I, it's very early days in, in india but i but i see that growing a lot more in the years to come so have you suggested this to your own clients at the glitch to sponsor some podcast show so i've had conversations with them because of because of me hosting it they have asked me about the space i think the interest levels i have seen across clients not just the ones that uh, who we worked with that glitch but in general when i spoke to them about the podcast space because a lot of them are interested that right? they know that this is something that is there how do they optimize it what i have kind of seen is they are okay to dabble with it they only worry about the numbers associated with it does it make sense for them and and i think that's really where it's at but there are pieces where for instance if someone's doing a very focused um, so the guys who get sponsors right if you look at the guys sponsors specialist podcasts get sponsors so um a, a personal finance podcast will immediately get sponsors because someone sitting and listening to let's say half an hour 45 minute chat about something very specific related to finance and personal finance and so that's something they know they'll get engagement there but the more generic you go it, it's it gets a lot trickier so i think brands are still trying to like for them it's still an experimentation but they might put a little money into it but it's something they still want to see how it can actually deliver success for them and i think that's really where they're at rightly said now i think we had a good talk about the work stuff but now let's talk a bit about mindset 
so how do you keep yourself relaxed and composed when you are running such huge businesses i am generally an extremely wired person so i i find I, i'm not one of those chill characters at all so i'm i'm constantly doing something so i keep myself busy throughout my waking hours right um, and that is a good thing and a bad thing as well uh, because i've been told i'm too uh, too on uh, if that's the word to use for for most people but no i just i i, I the fact is if, if you're constantly looking at it day by day and saying what can i kind of add i think the big, the the main thing for me every single day is what value am i adding to the company on a day to day basis as long as i'm doing that and i concentrate on those pieces um and obviously keep an eye on the wider piece and, and thankfully because we have a large enough leadership team there are enough people who have that focus but make sure you're part of the conversation and collectively coming to the right decisions um and you build that system then then you're fine I mean, then then obviously like, like looking at times like now um, the reason why we've been still able to continue work and still been able to to whatever obviously not a 100% but to whatever extent we've been able to ma- to manage has been because a large set of people have kind of stood up and said no I'll take responsibility for this I'll take care of this etc um and then really to be able to do that and make sure that they are all fine and just keep a check on that that's that's really the thing i mean that's how i look at it is i am extremely wired i know also people who like to separate things and compartmentalize them and it really works for them um so you just need to find your own way to deal with the situation interesting thought there uh what are those key driving factors that inspire you to keep the glitch up and running with the same energy for me it's actually been about what more can we do it's always been that uh, it's about see eight if we've always had a great team right um, and i think that's evolved and the way we look at our culture also the our culture evolves with the people we have so it's not a very set thing we don't have uh, quotes on the wall we don't do any of those things every new person who joins adds something to our culture and it evolves with that um, and and so that's obviously been one of the most interesting things which i've always enjoyed about the company but i think mo- what has become more and more something which i enjoy has been the fact that because of the world of just brands and advertising and marketing is evolving so quickly it's a constant outlook of saying okay what is everybody doing across the world what more can we do um, and that's really been one of those things that keeps me excited because i'm i'm extremely bullish on the on the marketing and advertising space i think it's got so much potential so much more you can do and it's just that um we need to keep evolving on a almost like a quarter to quarter basis not even a year to year basis absolutely now we are almost towards the end of the episode just a couple of questions more who's the wittiest person you have come across or have heard of who's the wittiest person i've come i've i've met it's an interesting one let me think about it i actually know a lot of witty people but a lot of the funny ones actually end up being quite serious in in day to day life so i'm trying to think of someone who you wouldn't assume is is extremely witty i actually find that ankur tiwari is one of the wittiest people you will meet you will not assume that ankur tiwari is a, is a, is an extremely uh is that funny person but he's got that dry sense of humor and for me he has been one of the uh, like it, it's like once you you have a perception of him but i think when you meet him and you 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 get to have a conversation with him there are many things that pop out like one second this guy is actually quite he's he's not just the 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 serious singer he's got a lot of uh, humor there okay interesting choice there now the last one one viral campaign that totally amazed you uh, i think there have been too many of those uh, I'm just trying to think of something more recent, which which I really enjoyed. So I don't like the word viral, to be honest. Sometimes I worry 
and i don't like the word for a specific reason sometimes because i feel that if they, they, when people kind of asking i want a viral campaign i'm like you don't have a campaign that is viral campaign viral hota hai so i'm like that, that is the way to look at it but uh, the one which i have actually um like a lot and i keep uh, talking about again and again i mean i i'm i'm a i'm, I'm a sucker for most campaigns that uh, nike does to be honest yeah. i am i i'm a huge motivation but i, I think how they for me it's not a it's not about virality but i think what they've been able to do with the kind of content they create right. is the fact that you go back again and again to see what else they put up right so for me that is the ultimate uh, form of virality is the fact that you haven't made one thing that has gone viral you are you are making people want you to make more and more things because they want to consume them right so i think that's like hitting the peak for a brand is that like the fact that i one of the only there are few brands whose accounts i keep going back to um, on a regular basis and and uh, for me uh, nike is one of those i personally also have enjoyed watching the nike campaigns and they actually keep us hooked so yeah that's it in this particular episode i hope the people in the advertising world can get massive inputs from this particular podcast thank you varun for being on the show i hope it was a fruitful experience for you as well just like the guests on your shows have <laughs> thanks a lot man and best of luck for the podcast thank you so much varun thank you people for listening to this episode do let me know your feedback also i'll be dropping the link of advertising is dead Please listen to those episodes and get some good ad world update. We will be right back with another episode with another guest till then stay safe.